here we really go. Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. The thing that's missing, but that will soon be developed, is a reliable e-cash. The new system shall never have peace of moment again before we take from the government the monopoly of issuing money. It's the only secure database that's ever been invented. No, that's the technology. You fail to understand no. that it's a new technology that is as profound as the printing press or the electric light bulb. Hey, you know, you're, you're comparing it to things that you shouldn't be comparing it to. This guy's going to want to cut. This guy wants to cut. Real estate agent's going to take 20% off the top. Get the fuck out of here. You guys can't dunk from the free throw line. That digital scarcity, scarcity does have value and that altcoins are implied unintended inflation to the asset class. And that if you have 1 million monetary networks that aren't interoperable with each other, all you've done is recreate an inefficient monetary network system that we already have today. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Well, there you have it, Nick. That's our new yo, yo, yo for the time being. Griff, I love it. I love it. For, for those of you guys that are just now uh, watch, if you're watching, if you're listening, it was the first time I got to see that video, and I love it, Griff. That's freaking awesome. Dude, I just love listening to Jack Maulers. I feel like I was just like watching him, and then I was like, well, we have no intro. Jack Maulers should probably be the main theme of it, but I also love- You can't go wrong with some Jack Maulers. He's he's crazy, man. I really think he will go down as like one of the most important people to keep the like living right now because he's doing things that are very altruistic. I mean, it, it's just amazing kind of what he's doing. But um, so be it. Nick. Let's jump in. Uh, let's jump into a quick market check here and then uh, get into the topic. We haven't done a market check here in a couple of weeks. Um Man, we saw a uh, we saw a little jump here in in Bitcoin, which is exciting. You can't uh, can't complain about a little increase in price over the week. So we finished up. We're sitting right now at twenty thousand seven hundred dollars. We got up in the twenty ones again there for a quick bit. And let's see what the S and P five hundred did this week. They had a quick fall off at the same time that Bitcoin started to rise, but then came back up to right right about where they were, maybe a little lower than they were in the beginning of the week. So the beginning of the week, uh, the S&P was at 3,800, and it is currently sitting at 3,800. So yeah, so started right around there, ended right around there, so kind of a lateral week. Looks like the same for the uh, NASDAQ and the Dow Jones. See what oil's at right now. Oil's sitting at ninety-seven bucks a barrel. Coming down a little bit on the oil. Let's look at the last month. Yeah, so it looks like oil's coming down. So that's good. See what the dollar index is looking like. I'm sure it's still at near you know all-time highs for not all time, I guess, but since still again the early two thousands, I believe it was. Nineteen eighty four or three. 2002 highest it's been since 2002 so there you go there's your quick market check bitcoin price is at 20,700 and the s&p is at 3,800 look at that all time look at that all time chart on the s&p it's pretty wild hey yeah when it only shows how it's doing on a u.s dollar standard and the Mm s&p is United States 500 best companies. 
I would hope it looks like that, to be perfectly honest with you. Or else yeah, we're I not. That's, I guess that's a fair, fair point there. I feel like the game has been just so rigged for so long. You know, I'm reading this uh, an Ian Bremmer book about free markets or the, that there are no free markets anymore. And, you know, some, mm-hmm. <clears throat> ooh, something interesting. Give me two seconds. Got to get some water in you. Um, something interesting he was writing about is that in the 70s, whew, in the 70s, there was about like 7,000 uh, corporations worldwide legitimate corporations he said after 2008 there's about 60,000 all over the world so i just feel like the monopoly america's had on money is just not going to work for the globalized economy that we created i mean you have to remember we have helped the world in a lot of senses it's not like we haven't done anything um it's just that it seems like the scales have tipped at least from my a Bitcoiner's perspective. Um, otherwise, we'd be full on supporting everything America does because this still is mm, most likely the freest country in the world. I mean, maybe outside of a few very small jurisdictions. Um, what was uh, what was the year on that? You said after the financial crisis of two thousand eight. You said that 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 they measured again over sixty thousand after the financial crisis. Yeah. When did they measure first time or when did they take numbers the first time you said? Seven. I think it was like 1970 or in the early 70s. It was yeah. in his book. I'm paraphrasing yeah. his, I'm paraphrasing a fact from somebody else's fact, but it was in his book. <laughs> so we definitely I had, I mean, you know, like you think about the, the internet in that time. I mean, the internet in that time was extremely booming. I mean, that was when, because, you know, the internet's been around for a long time, but the consumer user interface has never been what it is today. You know I mean? Dude, it's so slick today. I mean, you go on some of these websites and it's so nice. You know, Janae and I, just the other day we were looking at, um, you know, we're doing some wedding registry stuff. And so we were just looking at like plates and cups and pots and pans and utensils and things like that. And dude, some of these websites are so nice, man. I mean, you go through there and it's, it's super smooth. Everything's high definition. The pictures look great. You can click on different angles. You can look at different angles of certain things, and I mean, they tell you what what kind of what kind of material they made these pots and pans out of. Is it stone? Is it china? Is it this? You know, I'm like, golly. But like, you know, I mean, in that time, that's and that's also kind of too what 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 would be known as the internet's network developing, right? Which is kind of similar to the Bitcoin in this sense, where you know, right now. It's like right now we've got Bitcoin, but we've got we've got Bitcoin in a in the state of it not being extremely user friendly. Now it's we're it's getting significantly better. Uh, it is significantly better. Even Strike, just Strike alone was like, wow, this is this is super simple to use, right? I mean, Strike really is like, I mean, that's as easy as it gets for anything. I mean, like as yeah. a bank, as a exchange as a way to pay other people i mean the only thing that i guess i don't know if strike is particularly proficient at yet is like how would that work in a brick and mortar setting but i'm sure that's something that they're trying to figure out because they've done it the right way on they've done it on the lightning network so that you don't have to have all like you don't even have to have the whole wallet and everything like that which i actually 
appreciate because I don't feel like you should have any of your Bitcoin savings on the Lightning Network per se or in even an app like Strike if you truly are trying to save it the best way possible. But for yeah. Bitcoin to be, you know, movable and usable, so on and so forth, we need companies like Strike to continue to develop outside of just the standard QR code wallet situation, because that's just yeah. not where people are going to adopt first. Although I do believe in self-custody, obviously, like I believe that that is super important. So uh, not even a wallet, more like our signing devices that we do have, you know, because that's what a Bitcoin wallet, quote unquote, is. It's a signing device just for your uh, SAS so that nobody can ever, you know, spend what you have, what part of the ledger you have. And, you know, things like Strike make Bitcoin much more real to me. But I think the next topic of conversation here that we should talk about is the fact that Nick's dad is now no longer a hodler. Um, and I feel like this resonates, dude, with a lot yes. of uh, probably a lot of Bitcoiners or just young people in general talking to their parents about investments, which I don't really understand just because it's like everything's doing so poorly. You know, it's very scary just to throw this out there. Think about what $4,000 a month means right now, about $4,400 a month means right now. Untaxed, $4,400. How much would that mean a month to you? Well, that's a million dollars divided by 20 years. And so people who are saving in dollars only, I mean, you can't fight non-transitory inflation with these savings accounts, these 401s, these money market accounts, these bond accounts. Like, it just, it's not going to work. So... I don't know. I just think it's interesting that your dad hopped off the train so early because it's just like Bitcoin's worth $20,000. Like I, now I would be like, oh, shit, what's going on? If Bitcoin got below like 10, I'd be like, hmm, that's interesting. Like, you know, I hope something nothing crazy is happening here. But the fact that one Bitcoin is worth $20,000 should not be should not scare you. Like it just should not. Well, do, you, do you know what else? Do you know what else one Bitcoin is worth? One Bitcoin. One Bitcoin is worth one Bitcoin. Uh, so, you know, it, it, is a, it is a scary thing to think about, you know, because I'm, you know, my dad texted me the other day. He says, hey, man, how do I sell? I said, uh, I said, what do you mean? Why do you, why do you care? He says, I want, I want out. I want out. I'm going to sell my Bitcoin. I was like, ugh. But, you know, if you want to sell your Bitcoin, you should sell your Bitcoin because you don't realize what you got, right? Um, no, I, I was going to say something earlier, and we'd kind of cruised past it kind of quick. But uh, you know, talking about Strike and the development of the interface uh, or the user experience of the network, uh, think of how cool it's going to be when you get the integration of accounting and QuickBooks and things like that that operate directly with the network. Those are going to be huge pieces, right? Where you can operate, you can operate your Income and expenses or revenue and expenses, thinking, I'm thinking kind of as a business here, but you can manage and operate your income and expenses and, uh, and your QuickBooks can uh, shoot directly in in order, to, uh, in order to account for things correctly and make sure that you're keeping notes and descriptions of what you're spending, where you're spending, how, you know, all, all, of the, all of the accounting principles that must be followed for a business. And you're able to run payroll through that entire system as well. Um, and then your employees are also able to manage their own personal budgets in their own revenues and expenses, 
savings and what's for spending. I mean, that all happens in the same network that can, that can all happen in the same network. And I think that's really exciting. I think that that's really cool. And again, to just to, just to think about size again, just to think about size, um, Bitcoin is only 1.3% of the S and P 500 market caps or by market cap. Sorry. Uh, just, just kind of illustrating how small Bitcoin still is. Uh, you know, compared to some of these larger, uh, larger names that we're all familiar with, like the S and P 500. Again, here, if Bitcoin had the same market cap as the S and P 500, one Bitcoin would be 1.4 million dollars. So again, we're still looking at such a small network, and that's really exciting. Uh, but you know, it's not exciting. Inflation. We hit 9.1 percent year over year for June, Griff. I, I thought that we may be peaked and plateaued and then starting to fall off is what it kind of seemed like. And Joe Consorti actually even mentioned this on uh, on the episode a couple of weeks ago and, and said that it's general consensus that inflation has peaked and is starting to be reduced now. Well, we have a record inflation month yet again. In June, year over year, again, it was 9.1%. What uh, What are your quick from the hips thoughts, Griff? From the hip thoughts. Well, kind of like you were just talking about QuickBooks and taxes and payroll and all this cool stuff and how it can all be on the network. We should just abolish taxes in general because 9.1% inflation, in my opinion, is at this point our central government's failure. I mean, it's a huge failure. It is an attack on the working class. It's an attack on your own country um, because you guys printed money. I mean, I saw the Winklevoss twins tweeted something very interesting, and I'm actually going to try to pull that up. But they tweeted about how um, they come up with a new narrative, essentially, for you know why inflation is happening, whether it's Putin's price hike or it's... Uh, gas station mom and pop shops are overcharging you for your gallon of gas. Like they're actually peddling those narratives and hold on, I'm going to pull it up right now, but it's just so interesting to me that they continue to do things like that when we have the internet. I mean, it's pretty like finance Twitter to some degree, like everybody has Pompliano or a Winklevoss or somebody kind of like telling them, you know, Hey, they're screwing you or, Hey, like this is going on, especially young people. But here's his tweet. Actually, he said 2021 October equals 6.2% transitory. <laughs> Those were funny days. Transitory inflation, November 6.8% greedy corporations, December oh, 7% no. supply chain bottlenecks, 2002 January 7.5% inflation, supply chain bottlenecks still February 7.9% oil prices, March, 8.5%. It's Putin's price hike. So what is their narrative going to be now, I guess, is mm. a really good question. And Nick, I was one of those people who kind of thought inflation had peaked a little bit. And I mostly guess I just based it on oil price alone. But yeah, I mean, it's just not... Um, I'm not sure if it's something they can actually stop unless they bring parity uh, with interest rates. Because people are still lending money. I mean, there's still a huge spread to be made out there in a lot of these arbitrage situations. So I feel like until that is gone, 
then we're going to have this inflation problem. And yes, that does mean they're kind of, I guess, starting to realize if they can't fight inflation at all, then they're going to have to do that. And they're going to have to cause a quote on like, if we're not already in a recession, because I've been saying we're in a recession now for like three months based on the definition of one that we're going to have two quarters of um, negative GDP, GDP growth contraction. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which we will un- un- indubitably and inflation is up. They're going to have to bring parity and they're just going to have to. I mean, there's going to be this. It's what should happen is the greatest crash we've ever seen. It should be the biggest bust ever. Just because of how everything has been inflated, and if you know a little bit about inflation, you know how that affects different asset classes. Even Bitcoin um, was a huge beneficiary of huge stimulus to our monetary policy, to our monetary network, um, as well as like, dude, I mean, just since like 1971, what is the real inflation rate been? And actually, Jerome Powell had actually said, I believe in a press conference that real inflation since 1971 is probably more like 4%, not like two or three. Like when you really- You're talking, like, about, you're talking about annually. Yeah. Yes, that it's more yeah. like 4% annually and like that they've been wrong pretty much this whole time. Well, like, yeah, you've been wrong this whole time. I mean, there's a website, what the fuck happened since 1971 that can just show you that you've been wrong. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to be like, oh man, now we're all fighting with each other. Like for, for what? Like, we really are telling our fellow men, oh, our minimum wage shouldn't be that. Like, no, I mean, it should. It's just that, like, it doesn't make sense either way because they've made it not make sense for both sides. It doesn't actually mean that somebody grinding 40 hours a week for a business shouldn't be able to, in my opinion, afford a home damn near, you know, depending on that nine to five, like what kind of level it is. But it shouldn't be too high of a level to just own a property in this country. So I guess I want a little bit of a heater when you ask me like what's going on inflation, but I feel like inflation is really like the biggest indictment or the biggest reason why I moved over to Bitcoin and why I try to save as much money in Bitcoin as I possibly can out of every paycheck. And I don't mean invest, I mean save for a long period of time because I truly, 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 truly have a disdain for our monetary policy inflation and then how our government like we talk about malevolence or deviance and it's like, dude, like at this point it's deviance. I mean, at this point they're just ignoring the problem and trying to come up with any other reason other than poor monetary policy is the reason why people are poorer in the inner city than they are in suburbs with nice homes. Inflation is a huge issue and it's probably the number one issue in America. And it has been since 1971, not just since, you know, inflation 6.5% and people pay attention. I don't know if you'd agree with this, but inflation has always been our number one problem because with poor monetary policy, if you look in history, that's what that's what ends empires. That's what ends uh, a golden age for me. That's what ends our uh, world power. It's not really like if we can protect the petrodollar, if our monetary policy isn't sound within our own country, if our business of America is not sound, then what are we doing here? And inflation is a direct attack on that. Unless you're super wealthy, then you really don't care. Because America, who cares? America, Russia, you can live wherever you want anyway. You already have that money. So it just sucks for people yeah. like you and me. And yeah, so if you guys are if you guys are watching, you're you're seeing this cumulative inflation chart, um, which is just the the cumulative total inflation since this is going back to 1913 and it only goes to 2015. So 
this number is probably significantly higher at this point, <clears throat> or it is significantly higher at this point. But even so, we're looking at 2,300% total since 1913. That's absurd, right? And, and it's crazy, too, because they hide it and they say, oh, it's it's two, three, you know, maybe like you're saying, Griff, maybe it's 4% now, but it's three, 4% annually. It's not a big deal. And then people don't really think about it. Again, that's the one little step at a time. And dude, I mean, <clears throat> the dollar, the dollar from 1913 has already gone to zero. It's already gone to zero. It's not worth a dollar. It's not worth a penny. It's already gone to zero. If you owned $1, in 1913, it's worth 2,300% less by the year 2015, which we know is it's going to be higher than it is today or than, than it is shown here. I mean, yep. that's that's bad, right? And this will continue to happen into the future. Think about it. Run it from this point and call this point your point zero. What, what's going to happen in another, you know, 100 years or – what is well, this? it just yeah. is not going to survive. If you look at history, I guess, and what our bet would be is that it's not going to work. US dollar, you're going to run into issues. But it's not going to have any kind of purchasing power um, that matters. I mean, it just can't. Like, they're, they're going to have to go to some form of digital dollar or change it, just like all these other nation states are, because you literally you can't undo what they've done. Like, and they're trying. They're trying to QT. They're trying to stop inflation. They're trying to raise rates. What are they going to do? Uh, when are they announcing the rate change this month? I'm assuming that's going to be coming up towards the end of the month when they also are talking about <clears throat> negative 1.5 percent, much 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 lower GDP, like much worse, uh, much ne bigger negative percentage, bigger loss of basis points than they had Let's thought. They were guessing like 1.2, and I believe I've seen like projections of 1.5. But I would just like to know when they're going to announce another rate hike. Because what are they going to do? Another 0.75? That didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. And it's not going to do anything. They printed 40% of the money supply. And I don't really understand how we're ever going to go back to where we were. Like, you can't double a money supply almost, and then we just go back to anything that resembled the world we lived in two years ago. It's not the same world. I mean, we're living in an entire, like, COVID made it different, but... <clears throat> the fact that they printed all that money, you know, how many people in your life so far since COVID have been like, man, like, this is not, we're not even living in the same world anymore. <laughs> like, is this a different universe? Uh, is Has CERN figured out time travel? And do we keep going back to the same date since they figured out, like, the particle accel accelerator thing? Do you know what I'm talking about over there in the old CERN situation? Huh. Yeah. Anyway. Fill me in. Uh, CERN, I believe it's like some engineering science group in Europe or somewhere, but apparently they mm -hmm. figured out some like, I don't know, black hole time travel stuff. So all I'm saying is <laughs> I don't think that we've done time travel. I don't think that COVID and non-COVID is actually the biggest difference from 2019, 2020 to right now. The biggest difference is that they printed a crap ton of money and we're living in a whole new world with a whole new monetary policy. And it's affecting let's, us every single day. Let's draw. Let's dive into this uh, into this report a little bit. So we know that all items together are nine point one percent. That's your that's your average for for all items. Nine point one percent total. So food is at ten point four percent. Let's 
drill into this sucker. So at home, at home food is 12.2% increased year over year for June. Um, food away from home is like finding 7. out 7. Do we have any ability finding out like what? Oh, perfect. I'm just going to let you, you do your So cereals and bakery products, 13.8%. Meats, poultry, fish, and eggs is 11.7%. Dairy and related product products is 13.5%. Fruits and vegetables, 8.1%. Non-alcoholic beverages and beverage, is, uh, it, again, at home is 11.9%. And then other food at home is 14.4%. Um, so then let's check out food away from home. So full service meals and snacks is up 8.9%. So that's if you're going to go sit down at a restaurant. And then limited limited service meals and snacks. So I would think more fast food, quicker food, seven point four percent. So that's so that's your food there. So I mean, just eating at home is more expensive, right? Which is which is crazy. Think about the time preference. Think about the time preference, Griff. Hey, all the prices are up. It's everything costs more. What what's the quickest thing to do to not feel that hit? Hey, I'm not going to eat at home because it costs twelve point two percent more. Versus eating out, uh, and it costs seven point seven percent more, right? Now this is also this also is kind of skewed because we already know that, uh, and I I know this personally. If you buy in bulk and meal prep, you you can you can actually eat at home cheaper than you can if you were to eat out every single day. Now if if we're talking about a full service meal, right? Um, but there's a lot of factors that go into eating out and eating at home. I mean, like, absolutely, just, sure. Just from like, um, I mean, really, that is more of a number, in my opinion, that shows it's like food at home up twelve percent. Well, whether you meal prep or you only eat out once every two weeks, well, you're, I mean, like your food at home is just, I mean, it's twelve percent more expensive. I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. And also, my other comment would be from this chart is food away from home. Does the marketplace? Uh, also take a little bit longer to see higher prices because restaurants can't just like, oh, it's inflation, boom, price hike. Oh, price hike, price yeah. hike. Like they have to figure out that equilibrium and they have to figure out their new margins as food continues to rise. So if food at home rises, I'd assume like you'd actually start to see it like eventually, like maybe even an indicator to see when inflation is actually slowing down is when food at home dips under food away from home. That'd be, that might be interesting to follow mm -hmm. over the next few months just well, because so it's Home it, it is it is difficult to track because you got you know that whenever whenever the Federal Reserve boosts the the money supply, that that's not an instant impact on the market. I mean that money doesn't just immediately go straight to price increases. It 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 takes a while to filter through all of the different parts of the economy for everything to feel it right. It's a it's a very much so uh, CPI is a lagging indicator to the increased supply of money. But you've also got to think about real supply chain bottlenecks. That's a real thing, right? You you send everybody home, and you only let essential workers work. And I, I'm I'm sure that it's funny. It seemed like it seemed like fifty percent of the people were essential. You know, it's like if if you did anything that was like vaguely important, it was like essential. It's like oh, I'm an essential worker. You know, we heard that stuff. But uh, but you send people home, you flood the markets with money. So you shoot demand up and then you've got all these issues with the supply chain. And so it's happened. So, so the, the supply chain is 
really struggling to to meet all this demand in the market. And and so so you've got that playing uh, a role in price increases, right? Um, I I do uh, I do believe that everything is happening overseas with oil. That also does play a role in the price and cost of oil and gas, right? That does have an effect on it. Now, obviously, we do have um, we do have in inflation in the monetary expansion sense, but there's so many other factors that we have to take account in too. Yeah, so I just wanted to also bring up as Nick's talking about this inflation, and we're talking about it. This is the new excuse, or this is the new reasoning from the White House. Read that President Biden statement on CPI inflation in June, which is just like the fact that you even have to make a statement on it as a president is like pretty funny to me, like money and state. Let's separate those things. While today's headline inflation reading is unacceptably high, it is also out of date. Energy alone compromised nearly half of the monthly increase in inflation. Today's data does not reflect the full impact of nearly 30 days of decreases in gas prices that have reduced the price at the pump by about 40 cents since mid-June. Those savings are providing important breathing room for American families and other commodities like wheat have fallen sharply since this report. Well, thank God that two things have gone down. Let's dive right back into it, obviously, but I just like... inflation is data is out of date no okay so so this guy so this guy's talking so this guy's talking about the energy obviously we can see that this energy piece i mean look at food is up 10.4 percent all other items minus uh food energies at 5.9 which I, i don't even know why why they even have this metric like hey here's uh here's all here's all items minus food and energy I don't know what the purpose is. I'm sure that there is a purpose. Okay, so commodities minus food and energy commodities. So like, you know, commodities are, they're trying to say up 7.2%. That's just not true. Commodities are up significantly higher than 7.2%. Um, yeah, well, All energy the- or all items minus food and energy just across the board, I guess, is 5.5%. I just shelter. Okay, up really? 5.6%. That's just wrong. That's just not right. It, it, it your your a home has appreciated significantly more than five point six percent. Five point six percent. I mean, that is that what they're trying to refer? I mean, and that's not really even accurate at all. I I th- I'm not sure if you remember. Like, how do they actually measure? Like, they've actually have changed how they measure rent in like CPI to where it's not even like an accurate number. They use like out of date or essentially date in which they bought it out, not at which they currently rent it at. So like even when they measure that inflation number, it's not even as high as it should be. My personal inflation rate from my uh, first lease at the same apartment complex to the second, I'm going to be living here for, it'll be a 26 month deal, was 11.1% year over year. Because I calculated it as soon as they gave me anything, I said, what is it up? My friend in Fort Lauderdale and in Miami, their rent is up over 40%. My cousin, his rent went up over 39% in downtown Miami. So I do feel like shelter maybe went up a little bit more. I mean, I'm not sure what, if a box counts, I mean, like maybe 5.6%, you know, if they want us living in boxes, but 
I don't envy the people that do live in boxes, to be perfectly honest. I mean, with you. the median the median sale price here on Redfin is eleven point two percent, up eleven point two percent year over year in June. That's interesting. So, like, yeah. you know, he, that's that's where you really get into the questions of like, okay, that was interesting. Uh, you go back to that a lot about anything. Oh, yeah, medical care commodities, apparel. Tobacco and smoking products, used cars, new vehicles. Very interesting. I mean, everything's obviously just up, right? And so I think this is a good point to make now about relative inflation um, to everybody who is listening. I'm sure a good chunk of people who listen are potentially already economists themselves like us, you know, snooty economists, people who talk <laughs> about economy and think we know what we're talking about. But um Relative inflation would just be, you know, what you actually purchase in your life. Like me and Nick don't live the same life. We don't therefore purchase the same basket of goods. Now, rent or a mortgage might be a one good way to like classify everybody nationwide. But even when you dive into the food or the commodities, like nobody has the same lifestyle, which is kind of the point of living in America. You're kind of supposed to be able to do what you want. There's a bunch of marketplaces for all different types of hobbies and adventures and things you like to do. So all of these numbers are kind of funny because if you want to calculate your personal inflation rate, you'd have to like directly look at your spending habits. You'd have to look at where you spend them. You'd have to look at the type of activity you're doing while you spend them. So it's funny we're talking about inflation, but this is all relative. And if you're somebody who only ate chicken wings and that's the only thing that you can eat over the last year, well, your inflation is probably higher than just than just like 11% in the food category. It's probably more like a hundred something percent. So I feel like it's just funny how we talk about inflation um, and they try to break all these numbers down, but it's like to really track your personal inflation rate would be almost at this point, like a, an Olympics of sorts. It'd be like an Olympic game. To be honest. There you go here. So, so we were just looking at the shelter piece, right? So you, you think about this and you look at, you look at shelter here and this says 5.6%. And we just looked at Redfin, and it said 11.6% up year over year. Now, it's median, median sale price, right? So it's not, that's not just, uh, just home values, right? So that's, again, this is maybe a little skewed, so take it with a grain of salt. But uh, here is also from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, their definition of shelter. So the shelter service that a housing unit provides to its occupants is the relative consumption item for the CPI. Most of the cost of shelter or rent renter occupied housing is rent for an owner occupied unit. Most of the cost of shelter is the implicit rent that owner occupants would have to pay if they were renting their homes without furnishings or utilities. See, it's just, it, it's okay. It's just, really I mean, we, we could probably do this for every single one and it would take us 400 hours and that's exactly <laughs> what they want. I mean, like they bury, I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched a lawyer show, but the more like the one with more money and more resources always just tries to bury the smaller one. Like literally it's like, Oh, yeah. you want evidence? Bet. I'll give you evidence. I'll give you so much evidence. I'll give you so many definitions of what is a, what is a Ritz cracker? You know, yeah. it's like, oh, well, then who the hell can even actually read through it? Not because they 
wouldn't do it or disciplines like literal time like you can't you can't just sift through all this information it's just so funny how they hide inflation and you know it's i don't i don't know what other way to put it i love when people say this because it's so true inflation is the hidden tax inflation is um kind of like where the government makes up for what they can't tax us for but Check this out. So here's gas, all types, up 59.9%. Fuel, oil, 98.5%. Here is, let's see, energy services. Electricity is up 13.7%. But you need to get get an electric car. You need to get an electric car because it's good for the environment. So let's see. uh, uh, Wait a minute. Clicked on the wrong one here. Gas, gas is up 59%. So, hey, you would be doing, you would be in a better spot if you did get an electric car because you'd be paying 13% more versus 59% more, right? The only realistic way but, to serve but, the, but the issue heard is fossil fuels or nuclear. Like from every legitimate person I've ever talked to, and I would like to make a statement. I don't really know anything about energy other than what I've heard other people talk about. Like, and I listen and I take yeah. notes, but it's not, I'm not in that game. Like I'm not... I don't come from an oil family. I don't really like, I don't fully understand it, but I've heard a lot of smart people talk about it and all the smart people I'm listening to, because everybody has their own smart people. So Griffin Dawn's smart people, all my smart people that I'm listening to are like, dude, there's no real, there's no real other option other than fossil fuels or nuclear because nuclear, there's so many developments that can be made. But when it comes to energy, it's fossil fuels right now or bust. Like there is nothing else. And the ESG FUD that surrounds it is just scaring people. I feel like it's just a scare tactic um, from. There's your, there's your 20 year. There's your uh, 12 month percentage change. Consumer price index selected categories, not seasonally adjusted um, back to June, 2022. Or 2002, sorry. Check that out, though, huh? Um, let's add energy. Let's do, let's do uh, gas, all types. So there's your, there's your, uh, your gas prices. This is actually super volatile. Jeez, huh? So there's that super. deal. Let's look at, uh, how about new vehicles? Thing. Check out new vehicles. Look at that. Let's check out shelter here again. There you go. Shelter looks great. I'd There's love to know 2008 crash. I'd love to know. Um, and I'm, this is like some serious data, I guess, but I'd love to know like American based companies, what their personal inflation rate has been versus, um, you know, companies that are shipping everything in or need all the things shipped in. Like, I wonder if American companies have been able to find like a, not that everything's not inflating because you always have to buy something from somebody else, you know, like you have to buy the materials for whatever the hell you're building. But I wonder if like Tesla is up as much as say like Honda, just because I would assume that Honda has mm. to ship more things in like Tesla must have some better supply chain for how they're doing things because their demand mm. is increasing and throughout this entire time. And I haven't heard of any like Tesla shortages, but yeah, we'll have to we'll have to look into that for sure. How many episodes um, on inflation do you think we could potentially do? Just oh, to throw dude, it. I mean, we could, like, yeah, how, we could. How deep could you dive into this? Like, you could dive oh, into it for, for a long, long time. 
yeah you could dive you could dive like all the way into it yeah it would it would be a it would be a hell of a deal um look at look at electricity there per kilowatt hour look at this 13 cents you know this is kind of big for the miners right the uh, the bitcoin miners their electricity costs. Now this is on grid electricity, right? So it's going to be more expensive than if you have some type of specialty deal, but you're looking at six, 16 cents a kilowatt hour, mm-hmm. which, you know, a couple cents difference on several hundred miners or several thousand miners running 24 hours is, uh, is definitely significant, but, uh, man, dude, inflation's crazy. You know, what's scary about this deal is like uh, all all that high inflation times mean is that not that not that your your buying power is being eroded necessarily. Obviously, it is not just that, not just that. Oh, you know, the the economy is not doing well, but that the government is stealing your money faster than they were previously. And uh that that's scary, right? It's one little step at a time, three percent, three percent, three percent, leads you to that huge cumulative number up to twenty fifteen that we had looked at earlier of twenty three hundred percent. That's scary. And and all that this means, all that this nine point one percent means is that the government's taking a little bit more from you this time around. They're not letting you get away thinking that you got away quick and, and didn't get, you know, hammered out. Well, you're getting hammered out right now, nine point one percent actually, to to be exact. So uh, inflation's crazy guys. Um, appreciate you guys listening to another episode. Griff, that was a sick intro video. I love that. Also, your, your inflation, when you just said inflation is crazy and like, you almost like, like there's no other better way to put it. I'm going to put that in our next intro. It's going to be inflation is crazy. It is a crazy concept because inflation is a tactic that centralized governments have used from as as long as money has existed and it's been mostly in the hands of central governments, it's a tactic they've used to basically employ um, debasement on their own people and all of the negative effects that debasement have. They like all deploy it semi differently, it seems like, but they all do it. And it's like a tale as old as time. And I think it's very fortunate that we have Bitcoin. You know what I'm saying? I think inflation is crazy and Bitcoin changes that. For the first time Absolutely. ever, for the people, for the people, money by the people, for the people. That's all I have to say. By the people, for the people. Hey, well, we appreciate you guys listening to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Come check us out on Twitter down here at Nick and Griff Show. We'd love to chat with you. Um, we may be looking to have some more guests on here in the coming weeks. We will see. I've got a I've got a miner that I've talked to here in Tulsa, Griff. Um, that's a little bit more keen on the business side of things, which I think would, would be a really fun conversation. So uh, we've got a couple of, uh, of things like that in the works. So uh, again, we appreciate you guys listening to another episode of the Nick and Griff show, and we will see you guys next time. Peace.